As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. The Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we're going to be taking a look at the Oklahoma City Thunders rookie introductory press conference, what we heard from the four new additions, some of the tidbits from Sam Presti, and news regarding Lou Dort and Jamichael Green. And to top it all off, guys, I want to talk about the Thunders' two other additions from draft night. Even though they didn't hear their name called at the podium, they're still going to be suiting up in the Summer League with OKC. I'll be talking about Michigan State forward Gabe Brown and Alabama guard Jaden Shackelford. And to put a nod on it, I got a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Starting things out, though, with the Thunder's presser. This happened over the weekend, about a 30-minute event where you had Presti and all four of the rookies out um, with the media, obviously, at the media table. And then there was a media scrum that followed. So there's a lot of content that came out of this beforehand, obviously, post-draft night. Sam Presti, he gave his immediate thoughts on how the draft went for them. Noted that Nazi Muhammad, while he was talking about their current draft picks, was negotiating uh, deals for Summer League, and I'll go into that later, but basically they had two days of just talking to the media and letting everyone know about their new potential prospects, and that is big time to kind of get some insight on the Thunder and the direction they are going with. Just to round things out or to recap what OKC OKC did in the draft, they selected Chet Holmgren with pick number two. They traded with the New York Knicks, three future protected first rounders, to get 11 for Usman Jang. At 12, they took Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, and then they just took another Jalen Williams, this time out of Arkansas. So they loaded up with two centers, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara looks to be a pretty good fill-in piece. I'll be talking about him throughout the week. And then obviously with Usman, he provides a lot of potential. And the big takeaway we heard from Presti, and this is something that he didn't just say this year, but he said last year too, was he cares a lot about picking someone based on the actual person, not necessarily the player. And the quote from last year was, we pick people first and players second. So if you have a good personality and, and they know they can kind of trust on you, that's going to help a lot in the draft process. And he felt really strongly about this year's class, about just being good people to help build around. He said, this is a culmination of a real journey for all these individuals. They have some qualities that we look for in young people. And he said, I couldn't be more proud of the human beings that will be wearing our jersey. All four of the Thunder's draft picks came from basically opposite corners of the spectrum. You have Chet Holmgren, who, you know, once he kind of had his name out there starting in high school, he was atop the board in his high school class in mock drafts. He was basically deemed number one up until the draft lottery night, and many big boards had him as the number one prospect. So he's kind of been at the very top, but obviously that comes with some struggles as well. Being able to maintain that status is very difficult, and we've seen 
many times like ESPN top 10 recruits not get drafted and have to work their way through uh, the G League, for example. So he has been at the top, but he's had to continue to work for someone like Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. He wasn't on NBA radars really to start this season. He was ranked number 51 in March uh, in ESPN's March big board. And Mike Schmitz, when he scouted him in January, wasn't even entirely sold on him declaring this season. He thought that there was another step he could take if he decided to return for senior year. And there just wasn't the draft stock built up to the point where, you know, he confidently said, yeah, he could be a draft pick. And now Mike Schmitz is working for the Trailblazers. And he's one of the smartest minds in the scouting industry. So, you know, when he gave that evaluation, obviously it had some validity to it but Williams kept his head down continue to work pick number 12 with Usman he made a risk because he was playing comfortable in France he could have just remained there kind of took the Teo Maladon route of playing with Asvel or ASVL whatever you want to um, pronunciate it as he was actually working um, an INSEP which is where Jalen Horde has been training for Team France but that's where the top-tier prospects are at. Sam Presti saw him when he was 16 years old, and instead of staying in France, played in the NBL, had to deal with that. It was kind of up and down for him, but obviously showed that uh, you know he had that work ethic and the personality. And with Jalen Williams, I mean, he's just an aggressive, aggressive player. So it all works out with the top four. One thing that needed to be worked out, though, was the actual nicknames because... You got two Jalen Williams. You got Jalen, J-E-L-E-N, Williams out of Santa Clara. And Jalen Williams, J-A-Y-L-I-N, out of Arkansas. And for a team, you know, like, um, I guess it'd be any team. It really doesn't matter. But with a team like the Thunder, you know, there's a lot of interesting play-by-play that could come from this and if they can continue to pick up someone such as Jalen Horde I don't know if he's going to be returning but if he's still on the roster for summer league you have three different Jalens that you have to call if you're the color commentator and you also have two identical names in Jalen Williams imagine Michael Cage and Chris Fisher you know given the lines on this next year it's going to be very interesting but it looks like they've settled that out. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara is going to go by J-Dub. Jalen Williams out of Arkansas is going by J-Will. So you can mark that up whenever you get the media sheets out or whenever you start hearing you know, the team in Summer League. I would assume that everybody in Las Vegas has the memo, and I guarantee every single game they're going to have to give that tidbit on they have the same name. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara goes by J-Dub, and Jalen Williams from Arkansas goes by J-Will. So it was cool kind of seeing them settle that out. I know Sam Presti on draft night said that he had to, uh, you know, clarify which college when he took the call for pick 12, and I'm assuming the same process had to happen at pick number 34. So, yeah, um... It's nice seeing those two with their with that all sorted. You have both teammates single digits in jersey numbers. So I don't know if that's going to throw anybody off, but maybe. And you can't forget about Kenrich Williams either with the third Williams on the roster. Chet is going to come on the table here. I mean, he didn't have that many questions, 
pre-media scrum, but he did get asked a question about whether he wanted to be in Oklahoma City. And this is something that was kind of big because during the whole pre-draft process, there was sort of the rumor that Chet and his agency kind of wanted to steer him to going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And there was talk about medical records being held off, this and that. We don't really know what happened there. All we know is that Chet basically said that, yeah, he did want to be in Oklahoma City. And this isn't saying it was his number one option. It, it just tells you he wanted to be here and he's happy. So his quote was, well, now that I'm here, I can officially say this is where I want to be. And this is obviously Oklahoma City. It's going to be a slam dunk fit. I talked about it in the um, the last pod where we kind of just gave the immediate reaction. And even in the scouting report episode I did on him. But the Thunder needs so much help in the catch and shoot department. And they need so much help in terms of frame. He's able to check both boxes. And he really alleviates the issues you had with guys like Isaiah Roby and Jeremiah Robinson Earl having to play center when even though they've had a lot of experience there they're not centers they're power forwards and other guys like Derek Favors and Jamichael Green might not provide the floor spacing so he brings a lot there but he also just has a very unique archetype whenever you're in a small market I think it's very important to make sure the people you bring in want to remain in your small market and it seems kind of ridiculous because players are going to be making pretty solid money in the NBA the goal is obviously to play at a high level but if you think someone is going to dip out after you know hitting unrestricted free agency that could be a problem and it seems like Chet is just bought into the system and so is everybody else who decided to join on with the Thunder want to talk about Jalen Williams's Lottery journey. This is out of Santa Clara, so we'll just go by J Dub when I'm speaking on him now. But with J Dub, I mentioned the recruiting. You know, he he wasn't highly sought after when it came down to him being on NBA radars. It really didn't happen until post March, um, and it was just an uphill battle basically the whole time. But he kept his head down and he continued to work. Sam Presti took note of J-Dub's worth ethic. Um, he gave stories on everybody. And I kind of already talked about them on, you know, Chet, Uzmain, and um, J-Will. J, J yeah. Um, but with J-Dub, he wasn't supposed to be a lottery pick. He wasn't on that radar. And this is straight from Presti. He said, the truth on Jalen is our eyes really open to him later in the process. I wish I could tell you last season at Santa Clara, we were like, this guy is going to be a lottery pick. That wasn't the case, but he beat the door down with the way he approaches the game. Presti also mentioned that his head coach at Santa Clara, Herb Sindek, who he had relations to prior through Kyle Weaver, actually, they had a really good relationship where it was just transparent all around and whenever Jalen was in the middle of this draft process Herb let him know like hey this is your chance to make the NBA and as a college coach you're not going to force out your best player to leave but when there's money on the table and you can be a first round pick it's probably in is it in your best interest 
I, I don't know. I think that yes, yes, it is. But most definitely for your player and as a person, it's if you have someone saying you're a first round pick as a coach, I think it's your responsibility to tell them that they need to make that next jump. And Herb pushed towards that. I think a lot of that goes to the relationship. And Williams's overall trajectory probably has to do with that relationship as well. So going to another team in OKC where they're pretty young, they need people to fill in set roles. I think Williams is perfect. Like I said, I have a an upcoming pod on him specifically. But with J-Dub, you know, he was a role player in his first two seasons. Last year, he was basically their elite role player. And this year, he was just their straight-up star. Chet on the Thunder Basketball Universe podcast said basically he was 75% of the scouting report when they faced Santa Clara last year. So he can play in multiple different situations. And I think moving to a team like OKC where there's so many interchangeable parts and you don't really have the rotation set in stone right now he's going to be great there and while he's suited up he's going to be wearing number eight in tribute to Kobe Bryant I believe he has a Kobe Bryant tattoo and he also has an Allen Iverson tattoo showed that off on his TikTok page um, and this came from Locked on Thunder host Ryland Styles. he asked the question on this one and yeah um he got the confirmation that number eight, he's wearing it for Kobe Bryant as a tribute. Number 24 was not available, so he decided to go with eight and kind of keep keep that going um, with him. One thing that was touched up on in this presser that might not get as many headlines just because it doesn't hone in on a set player or a roster move, but rather like a a series of roster moves is just the overall roster space and Presti addressed this during the conference and it's it's still gonna have to be work in progress the Thunder do not have to make any decisions until October when they have to narrow the roster down for training camp but one thing that was kind of stirred around was that the Thunder would basically be looking to almost try sending away picks in order to um, save their roster spaces, if you will. Just because they already had 15 going into this draft, after the Jermichael Green deal, they had 16. And with four incoming draft picks and two Exhibit 10 signings, it's going to be very cutthroat on how this roster looks. But Sam Presti said he really didn't have much of an issue with this. He had a really good like analogy almost where he compared roster spaces to a dinner table and how just because you can't fit everything, you know, at the dinner table the next day, you shouldn't sway away from that. If you think that there's a player you cannot pass up on, you should take him regardless because if you're going to you know, risk a potential major future player for someone in the now that might not have as bright of a future, you know, that could lead to some issues. It's always of your utmost priority to be improving the roster. And with this small market team that doesn't have the luxury of the John Walls of the world, and I'm just joking when I'm saying this, because obviously the Clippers are are amazing and they're going to be a crazy team if all healthy, but they don't have the luxury of just having superstars wanting to sign with them for very cheap because of the small market 
their best free agent signings at the time were players such as Patrick Patterson and Anthony Morrow. Morrow was good. Patterson, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. But um, Patterson was most definitely one of their highly coveted signings at the time. And I'd say Markeith Morris might have been their greatest, even though that was a buyout pickup. You don't see all-star caliber players want to go to Oklahoma City, even when they are doing well, because there could be a large market team in Miami or Los Angeles or New York that has a similar roster structure, has a similar pay, and gives you other opportunities such as endorsements just due to the area. The odds aren't always in small market teams' favors. And for Presti, what he wanted to make clear was being able to kind of shed guaranteed contracts in order to pan out diamonds, so to speak, is an advantage that they have. And because they're so young and because they're rebuilding, it's not a big risk to be doing this stuff with the roster. You can be shuffling in and out 20 players in a roster season and you'll be afloat. And that's exactly what they did the last two years. They basically started G League players to end the year both times. And because of it, you've been able to get better gauges on some of the overall talent they have and see guys such as Lindy Waters who will be playing under a two-way contract next year. Anyways, though, I think that, you know, was it a really important quote from Presti because it's super insightful, but it lets you know what the future could hold. If there are guys destroying it in training camp and current roster players just aren't feeling it, they could be gone come training camp. It's about competition, and you're ultimately ultimately going to get better under those competitive circumstances. So we'll see. The roster needs to take some form, and it will be based on what we heard in the media scrums, but that was one of the big, big um, quotes that we got from him. And I want to go into the roster spaces. I want to go into talking about some of the length this Thunder team brought on in one second here. But first, I'll let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet to $1,000 and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I'll be keeping an eye on the Summer League as we get into that next month. If you guys are feeling confident on the Thunder or any particular teams, you can look into those as well and see if you can cash in on those We'll have to see the full Summer League rosters as they develop, but if I'm going to go for underdogs, I'll say California Classic. Give me the Miami Heat, Utah. I'd go OKC and in Vegas. Let's keep it going. I'll go OKC there too. It's going to be very fun action once we get down to that. But best of all with DraftKings Sportsbook, it's a safe site, secure, and reliable. 
You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on with the Thunder and some of the stuff we heard from the press conference. I want to mention just the overall size of this team. And this isn't even like a a full-on talk that you can only be had in a press conference. This will be mentioned as we just break down the roster and when you look at the history of this roster. But OKC was just shooting for size. Three other 10 guys, 6'10 or taller. Two of them were 7-footers. All four of them had a seven foot wingspan, and Jalen Williams is ridiculous. Six foot six with a seven foot two and a half wingspan. You're not going to find that every day of the week. So, a lot of people look at that on paper and say, well, it gives you maybe positional versatility, it gives you size in general, but there's more to it. And this was a really good point from Sam Presti that, you know, really lets you know. All the different impacts just being a couple inches taller makes in the NBA. And it gets chalked up to just size. He said the combination of decision making at that size allows you to make better decisions with more time. The best players in the world create time. One of the best ways to create time is to see over things. When you add size to it, you create time. When you really delve into the details of this quote, you can basically chalk this up to anything right like just being able to see over your defender on passes significantly improves your playmaking ability and being able to pass out of tough situations it allows you to take shots that your six foot guard just simply would not be able to do and it allows you to kind of create space as well uh, to orchestrate I think on the defensive side of the ball it also makes sense if you have a large frame you're able to get into place for deflections you're able to block people off in terms of driving lanes and it just makes things hectic for the offense where you know it, it might just shed one or two seconds but those one or two seconds could be the reason between winning a basketball game or not and even if it's just a one per one possession thing those things can pile up and make that overall impact that sways the result in the game As we all know, shooting for size isn't like a new thing for Oklahoma City. I think ever since the rebuild started, that's what they've been actively looking to acquire. Alexei Pokushevsky and V. Kredshi came out of the 2020 draft. I guess you could say at some extent Darius Baisley, maybe in 2019. I think Poku and Veet is really where it started though. Josh Hall as an undrafted signing in the 2021 draft. Josh Giddy at six foot eight with guard skills. That one sticks out like a sore thumb to me. And then even at the G League level, people forget this. Melvin Frazier Jr. is six five with a seven foot two wingspan. He's basically the exact same in terms of measurables as Jalen Williams. And his player profile coming out of the draft was also similar. He was a catch and shoot threat. I'd say that Williams is much more advanced as a ball handler and just overall. But basically, the rudimentary scouting report was Melvin Frazier Jr. can play off the catch, 
He has a wide open driving lane on a closeout. He can attack. And offensively, he has versatility because of that size. The Magic took him early in the second round, and they basically didn't play him the two years he was on his rookie scale contract. They cut him, and immediately after the Thunder showing interest, they got him on an Exhibit 10, and he played with the OKC Blue for the last two seasons. We even got to see him on his two-way deal the last week or two of the year. I don't think he'll be back, but he kind of is the player that embodies what the Thunder have been doing. Even behind the scenes, they've been trying to posture themselves to acquire these types of players, and they were able to do that in this year's draft with basically flying colors. They got four of the lengthiest prospects that were available in the set positions, and they all have really high potential. We'll see exactly how everything pieces together. You already know with SGA and Josh Giddy, they'll have a lot of ball handling abilities. Trey Mann's a scorer. Jalen Williams can slide in, or J-Dub can slide in really wherever he needs to as that fourth guard. Chet kind of could be the jack of all trades. We'll have to see. Usman could be with the blue in some stints, I believe, just due to the potential. Kind of use him as a Poku-type player again. And then with J-Will, we'll also... Uh, kind of keep that up in the air, but I think it was interesting to see Presty's take on the frame and him not talking about the obvious, just like how it improves on the defensive side of the basketball. For a lot of these players, their contracts might be secure right now, but a good back end of this rotation is going to be fighting during the offseason to continue to remain on this roster. As I mentioned, they entered this draft with 16 players left the draft with 20, and then they signed two more with Exhibit 10 contracts. So there has to be some weeding out process, and Presti gave insights onto a couple of different transactions he'd be looking to make, one of which surrounds Lou Dort. And this was a question that was brought up, I'd say a month ago, and it really has been on the menu ever since. No one has shut that idea down because... From a long-term perspective, it would make sense for the Thunder to go about it this way. Lou Dort just concluded his third season. He has a fourth-year team option, and if it were to be declined, and has to be declined today, he has it immediately exercised tomorrow. So they have to make a call today, and if it is declined... He becomes a restricted free agent this year, and the Thunder can negotiate a long-term contract. They can also match any potential offer sheet. The other side to this is they could exercise this option. He remains on the team for $1.9 million next season, but then he's an unrestricted free agent. So you're basically sacrificing the, let's say, collective maybe $12 million this year. We'll see what his contract would have actually been. But you're you're making a, a really good cut on money if you exercise his option, but you don't have control of his next destination. It's a risk, but it comes with big-time upside for the Thunder because not just this contract is going to be a lot cheaper this year, but if they are not entirely sold on Dort or him fitting in to this next Thunder era— they're not locked into a long-term contract. And it sounds silly because Lou Dort has established himself as one of the top players on this team. But you don't want to get caught in a situation where you're tied up with money all over the place 
And now instead of being the one trading basically nothing to get a bad contract and picks, you're going to be on the returning side where Lou Dort might not even be a bad player, but if you want to offload a four-year contract of his, teams are going to be basically like vultures trying to take picks out of you just because of how many Oklahoma City has. So Presti plans on exercising his fourth-year option, keeping him on roster for $1.9 million, and kind of seeing things, seeing where things go and negotiating for next summer. Lou Nort at this point doesn't have to return to OKC. There's nothing that would contractually oblige him to doing that next year. It all comes down to overall fit and if the two parties can kind of meet together for uh, some sort of contract, whether you know it's a mid-season extension or they go into the summer to work out the logistics of everything. I don't think you can bash this from the Thunder just because of how many new players they've acquired and how Dort has kind of been played on this team. He's a really good two or three, and I think when playoff time comes around, he's a playoff player, which makes him worth a long-term eight-figure contract. But if the Thunder are looking to build this team where it's, you know, SGA, maybe J-Dub at the two, and Uzmain at the three, well, there's not really a clear option for Dort to start anymore. And you have Trey Man, Six Man, and, and then there'd be Lou. Also, I think that because of his overall frame, him playing up to the three hasn't been an issue right now, but it's not his natural position. I think the two guard is... And they're loading up on guard talent. So it's very, very murky there. And the craziest part about the the last example I used, I didn't even mention this. I didn't mention Josh Giddy's name. And obviously Josh Giddy would be included in that starting lineup. So you can start to see how it becomes maybe a ripple effect that would hurt Dort in the, the long run. I think the Thunder are still very interested and they've, are probably going to be engaging on extensions in the near future. But, yep, they're kind of putting this one off now. They got a couple other options they'll deal with throughout the next couple of days. Isaiah Roby is one of note. I think that his deal would probably be exercised for right now and probably be about three mil that would be guaranteed. So it wouldn't be that big of an issue. But they'll have multiple calls they'll be making leading into Summer League. Another call will be what will happen with some of the veterans. Derek Favors and Jermichael Green come to mind. We heard from Presti that Jermichael Green likely is not going to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this, all the credit has to come from Clemente Almanza from this one. He was part of the media scrum after the initial presser. And he asked on Jermichael and, you know, where he would kind of lie on the roster. Sam Presti said, we're trying to figure that out. I think we'll probably find a situation for him that's not with us, but that's not because we don't value him as a player. My hope is we'll be able to sort that out. He's owed 8.2 mil next year. He just signed on his uh, team option, which allowed this deal to go through, and he's 32 years old, so he doesn't fit the overall... um, you know, trajectory of this team. I think I mentioned earlier on, on Herb Sindek, I misspoke a little there. I think Jermichael Green's agent 
is the one with connections with Kyle Weaver, not Herb Sindek, even though that'd be really cool. I don't think Herb is. So that's the last time Presty was communicating with Jermichael Green's agent, and that's why it always helps to have connections because of situations like this uh, when you have to kind of negotiate um, you know, exit deals such as this. So I don't know if he's going to be waived. I don't know if they're looking to find a trade for him, but I'm sure they'll try to get something done before the new season begins on July 1st because then it's going to eat into the salary cap. So trades could be had here, and maybe he just gets waived right before the midnight passing onto July 1. Derek Favors also could be similar. I think we've heard from him that he wants to um, stay in OKC, or at least he enjoys, uh, or he has enjoyed his time here. But because of his age and because of the roster crunch, he also could be someone to monitor there. Could be talking about the roster basically all day. I'm sure I'll be talking about it in the next week as we prep for Summer League. I want to mention two players that the Thunder signed that you might not know all too much about because they came after the 58th selection. That comes from Michigan State forward Gabe Brown and Alabama guard Jaden Shackelford. So just getting right into this, the Thunder signed these two at about 2 in the morning on Friday. So right after the main dust had settled, all the agents were probably reaching out to teams. Teams were reaching out to the agents on undrafted players, seeing if they could get them on training camp or Exhibit 10 deals. Some of them were even two-way deals. Personally, I would have loved to see a guy like Jamal Kane in Summer League. The Miami Heat got him, so I guarantee he will be balling out. That's why I said earlier I think the Heat are winning the California Classic. I think he's a an amazing fit. And with him next to Omer Yurt 7 in Vegas, that will be very fun on the offensive front. But... They still got two very good players out of this. And the first one, like I said, is Gabe Brown on an Exhibit 10 deal. It is a one-year minimum contract that counts against the 20-man offseason limit. But additionally, it comes with this kicker that if you stay with the G League organization for 60-plus days, you can get up to 50 k in bonuses, which is more than the G League base contract in of itself so that's big time in terms of money and it really helps out in the g league level uh, to try to foster some players anyways with brown he's 22 played four seasons under tom izzo at michigan state and he didn't play a lot until this past season that's where he became the starter he was a double digit scorer and he was an all 10 all big 10 selection in the process of all of this six foot seven small forward I really like his fit with what he would be able to do, not just with the G League team, but at the NBA level with OKC. He's a sharpshooter. He shot 38.2% from three this year, shot 5.3 attempts per game. That's basically where he lived. And throughout his career, he's just been a catch-and-shoot type of prospect. Has some sneaky good hops to go along with this as well. You'll see put-back dunks on occasion from him. And... I think he'd be just an interesting floor spacer. Is he someone who's putting the ball on the deck for you? No. I think defensively he's not going to wow you exactly. But he can surprise you, like I said, with his verticality 
And that will sometimes translate into him soaring up for some rejections. So I'm kind of pumped for maybe a chase down block or two from him. I don't think that he's in contention for a standard contract with this team just because they've already sent out so many. And those four rookies, I'm certain, will probably be on that 15-man roster. This is more of a two-way signing type of pickup. And I really think that he he would be able to do some damage here and, and get that second contract with a good summer league. When you're looking at the Thunder and kind of what they need to address There are still plenty of different areas they need to improve upon. There's a reason they were the fourth worst team in basketball two seasons in a row. They're very young, they're very raw, and they're just inconsistent in general with some of these outputs. Gabe Brown, for the last four years, has made a steady contribution from downtown. And for the Thunder, they need steady contribution from distance. I think one of the main reasons Lindy was brought on for a second year on his two-way was because... He's a solid three-point shooter. And because he's able to bring kind of some steadiness there. There's two different sides to a two-way contract. You can go upside, such as Josh Hall, or you can go for give me this set trait right now. And that was the Paul Watson Jr. pickup. Paul Watson didn't work. Lindy Waters was the new man in, and he did that role. If they want to have another sharpshooter, Gabe Brown makes sense, and he's a better overall frame than Lindy Waters I don't think he has as many uh, capabilities from distance in particular shooting off the the bounce and kind of like some flyby jumpers but baseline put him in a corner put him in a wing if he's wide open I'm confident with that shot so that's sort of his case and I think if OKC would have gone for a high ceiling two-way guy they would have done that probably post-draft if they had someone in mind. Looks like they didn't have one. Instead, they're going for some older prospects with the Exhibit 10s, but I'm sure Gabe Brown will be a very nice fill-in for them. Second player is Jaden Shackelford out of Alabama. And with Shackelford, he's played with plenty of NBA types of talent. Now, with him... I believe he was playing with Joshua um, during his tenure with the Crimson Tide. Basically, the big deal, though, is two out of his three seasons, he led the team in scoring. That was his sophomore and junior year. And as a freshman, he was a starter, and he was all SEC freshman. So he has been basically balling out with them. And um, with those two leaning scoring efforts, he got all SEC nods, too. He's averaged 15.2 points in college, so he is a certified bucket getter, and he averaged 16.6 points this year, 35% from three, 77% at the line. He's a six foot three guard, so that's the big thing that you need to look at with him, but he puts the ball in the basket, and that obviously has some value there. I don't expect Shackelford to make the 15 man with the training camp roster, I'm much more confident that Gabe Brown would get that spot just based on team need. But obviously, you never know. It's still in an Exhibit 10 contract, so he's in the same boat as Brown, where if he sticks around with the OKC Blue, he'd be in for a payday. And I think that's where he he fits perfectly. I think that's actually why they got him, just because of his scoring capabilities. He's not much of a passer. And at 6'3", you'd think 
being a primary playmaker is a must. He's like a tertiary playmaker. When he gets the basketball, he's looking to put it on the deck and he's looking to score uh, basically on his own there. So I think that he's not going to be a training camp guy. I imagine he gets waived. But if he hangs around with the blue, he's going to be one of their better players. And there's so many players um, from this prior blue team that are amazing. Jamias Ramsey and Xavier Simpson at the one. Justin Jaworski just signed overseas, so he'll be gone. But there's a, a logjam there, and I expect it to kind of sort itself out, whether it's Simpson, Ramsey, or both of them leaving. Typically, you don't see players stick around in the G League, uh, especially for the same organization for three years. And that would be the case with Simpson if he were to stay. Shackleford would be a good backup point guard in the G right now. And it's basically all around the fit on why I'm enticed with him. You put someone like Uzmain or Vietz with the OKC Blue, they're going to be working on their playmaking skills. That's why you would ultimately make the decision to move them down. You need to have scores surrounding them, not playmakers who can't shoot. Shackelford is a scorer. So if he's the one passing it uh, you know, from the timeline and he'll dump it out to Dang, well, now he has a second option if he needs to kick it out or create some sort of offense. So I think it really heightens the ceiling of the blue team to get a score such as Shackelford. But at the NBA level, I don't think he fits with the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. That's my take on the two Exhibit 10 signings. I'll be talking about some of the other Summer League members as we get closer and closer to Utah Summer League action on the 5th. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.